Welcome back to Put Some Ghee on It. I'm your host, Subi. This show is about disrupting the patriarchy of the, our condons and encouraging you to live your most authentic life. I started this podcast because for the last few years, I've been going on and through the same journey. You'll hear interviews and conversations without tiptoeing around cultural taboos. So let's dive in, let's get honest, and let's put some ghee on it. Today's guest is back by popular demand, my husband, Osama. Bow, 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 bow. Hello, welcome. Thank you. Today we're going to discuss religion within our relationship. And the reason we're discussing this is because a lot of people in both corners of our life wonder how we operate and how we coexist. Um, I'll let Osama discuss what end of the religious spectrum he falls on. But as for me, I think he and I grew up in similar yet different uh, households. Um, religion for me and my house growing up, um, religion was definitely instilled and given as a foundation. But then my parents really allowed it to fall into the background of our being rather than having to remain in the forefront always. Um, I went to Islamic school, you know, Saturday school, Sunday school, whatever you want to call it, on the weekend. But very quickly and at a young age, I would say around seven, eight, nine years old, I was quite cognizant that I didn't relate to religion. I had a strong disconnect. You know, we would talk about, you know, whatever teachings um, – during that particular day. And I remember just literally sitting there going, eh, I don't, I don't really think so. This doesn't really jive with me. I don't get it. I don't have a heartfelt connection. I don't have a intellectual connection to this. And so it just didn't make sense to me. Um, but Osama, tell us, how did you grow up? What was your household like in terms of religion? Yeah. So I think I grew up, um, if you know my father, um, many of you who are listening do, um, <laughs> you know, he was a staple at Sunday school. So I grew up that way. I grew up very much so, um, very much so like the preacher's kid, right? So I really could do no wrong because I literally couldn't because everybody knew what I would be doing and what I'd be up to. So, you know, my upbringing was overshadowed by who my father was in a lot of ways because, he taught this, so therefore his kids couldn't act crazy. His kids couldn't be, you know... Right. Um, heathens. Heathens, yes. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, for me, I grew up very much so um, praying. Um, prayer was a very big thing in the house. Five uh, times a day? Five times a day. My dad would yell and scream, make sure we got up at Fudger. Um, and for those of you who... Um, you don't know what fudger is. It's the prayer right before sunrise. And, you know, we'd really try to push it right before and wake up, you know, and, and it was really, you know, it was great. You know, my parents instilled in me this, you know, great foundation of um, moral values. But part of that was, you know, just being based in, you know, regular prayer. If, you know, you couldn't go out, if you, you couldn't go out, you couldn't do anything really mm -hmm. if it interfere, interfered with your religious part of it. So, and that included Sunday school. So very conservative in terms of the, how I grew up. And for a long time, um, I uh, subscribed to all those principles. So how long did you go to Sunday school? Like I... I think when I kind of started disconnecting at a very young age and really, I don't know that I would always throw a 
fit about going to Islamic school or, or class. What I think we had ours on Saturday morning, so Saturday school. Um, I I wouldn't always throw a hissy fit about it, but my parents knew I was completely disengaged. So I want to say by the time I was like ten, I stopped going. Did you go through high school or like? How oh yeah, K through twelve. Yeah, I went right through, right full on through. Uh, my experience with Sunday school though, it was a positive one because. The Sunday school was a social uh, experience uh, for me mm-hmm. just because our Sunday school was, you know, heavily focused on basketball, right? So, like, you go to what? Sunday school. Yeah, you after school ba- after school basketball was, like, there was a huge tournament. Um, you'd always want to, like, be able to play in that. That was a big thing. In fact, my mm-hmm. cousin was the one who organized it for many, many years. It was a very big hit at Sunday school. So, um, yeah, I went. Uh, but there definitely was, you know, to your point around – some of these people are like volunteer. Everyone is a volunteer, right? No one's a scholar in any of this. Right. Thank you. That was like such a major disconnect for me because I I had legitimate questions. And when I would ask my teacher, she would just be like, yes, it is true. And just keep doing your you work. You don't got the answer, Sway. Right. You and, don't got the and answers. And I wish that it had been tackled on an intellectual level because that's how I operate if it doesn't make sense in my brain it's not going to make sense in my heart it's not going to make sense anywhere else and so i really wish it had been take it like there was an intellectual background to it which in my brain intellect and religion just don't always coexist so smoothly yeah um but I wish there had been more of an effort in a scholarly way. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you give the people the benefit of the doubt. They're doing the best they can. And so I did, you know, do that. But there was part of it as I grew up and as I grew older, you know, in terms of religion and the place that it has in my life, it became more introspective than, than mm-hmm. you know, it really became for me in terms of who I am and what religion means to me. It's somewhere where I'm more about practicing rather than preaching. I'm not somebody who preaches my religion mm-hmm. at all, frankly. Um, and that's kind of how I've been living my life to this point. And I appreciate that. Uh, so in terms of your upbringing and now you're in your, you know, young 20s, who did you think you were going to marry? So if you could give me, you know, this is my type, when it comes to religion and faith, who did you think you were going to marry? Right. So before marriage, um, I thought <laughs> I was going to marry somebody who was of that same ilk, of that same vein in terms of you know, somebody who had very similar backgrounds. The part of the community that I grew up in was so tightly knit that if you went to Sunday school... Um, you married someone from Sunday school? You kind of married somebody who either went to Sunday school or went to a similar type of establishment. And I think a lot of people did. I mean, even you did. But really, somebody who not only went to Sunday school, but also like subscribed to that kind of lifestyle in terms of which can be um, siloed in a lot of different ways. So I think for me, yeah. Wait, does it count that I married... Nah, bruh. Nah. The best friend nah, of the bro. guy I went to Sunday school nah, with. Bro. But, you know, shout out to my dude. Thank you. I love you. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so then was it similar to what your parents would have wanted for you? Or would they have been a bit more strict in terms of who they would have chosen for you to marry in terms of religion? Uh, definitely more so. Well, my parents, let's, so I think who my parents wanted to marry had a lot to do with culture and also religion, right? Too intertwined. And mm-hmm. I think... Uh, there's a lot of things to be said about that, but my parents definitely wanted me to be to, to marry somebody who was very much. Uh, uh, here's the deal: my parents came from a uh, a background where my mother was a homemaker, 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. That was it was perfectly okay. That's and so, a big job. Plus, you had, of course, you know, we had brothers. like 18 people in the household at all times. Right. Yeah. So, shout out to my mom who really stick, you know, went through that. Uh, and because, frankly, I don't know if anybody was going to be able to go through that in today's day and age. But with that being said, they definitely wanted me to marry somebody who was of that same vein in terms of being very family oriented, being very religious, being able to like put the, put on the show. Um, not to put on the show, I show is not a really good word for it, but to kind of be with it, you know, those vibes of like religious culture kind of rooted in those same sort of values and uh, systems that come along with that type of society. Okay, so when we started dating, and we had quite a quick courtship, I mean, it was 11 months from the time that we had started dating, we had gotten to know each other a little bit prior to actually starting to date, but... From the time we started dating to this time we were married, it was 11 months. And, I mean, we were engaged quite quickly. Like, I think it was four months from the time we started yeah, dating. Yeah, I moved fast, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was uh, in it. Yeah, four months from the time we started dating to the time there was a ring on it. Um, so in that time frame, I mean, did it bother you that I didn't pray or that I don't pray? Yeah, so I think for me, there was a very clear conversation that we had in the, in the car to the airport where I got lost a few different times <laughs> in a few different ways. Purposely got lost. I, well, I'm really not good with directions, uh, relying too much on technology. But with that being said, I definitely, it was a, something that you said to me, you were like, listen, I'm not about this today and I'm not about, about I'm not about to be about this life tomorrow or the mm-hmm. next day or the there or the next day after that. And that to me was like, wow, I don't know if I was ready to have this conversation, right? Yeah. And but again, to that point, I had already gone through this growth and evolutionary phase in my life before I had met you and thank God I did because I had a little bit of a um understanding of what I wanted in a spouse versus what I didn't want. Religion for me is very, very important. And I think I was clear to you, like, hey, um, I'm this is who I am as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I am very religious. You're not. That's on you. Really? It's like, for me, it didn't, it wasn't a deal breaker for me, but it was a fleeting moment where like, wow, like, how does this impact future? Yeah. Um, like, was there a moment when you thought our differences just weren't going to work? No, because I think we were solid, right? right. In a lot of different ways. But I did call out right then and there that... From Jump Street, I'm like, well, I want to raise my kids Muslim. Right. And which is, you know, kind of a strange viewpoint for me to have, too, in the in terms of if if you want to say, like, Subi, where do you land on the religious spectrum? I'm not really on it. I, I'm off the religious <laughs> I, like I'm off the religious boat. It it doesn't have a place in my life. It's not how I um make my decisions in life and, and and that's just not how I operate. However, I for multiple reasons was thankful for that foundation. One, it just does give you some sort of moral compass. Sure. I'm not saying that people who from day one came out of the womb with no religion that they don't have you know a moral compass. I'm certainly not saying that, but it does provide you that. But most importantly for me, it provided a sense of belonging in a suburban town in Minnesota where I'm from. It provided a, a strong sense of belonging because I knew every Saturday morning or, you know, over the weekend or multiple times during the week when my parents got together with their 
their, that particular set of friends, there was a very easy sense of belonging. I didn't have to explain myself. I didn't have to explain why I might smell like curry or why my parents had accents or I didn't, I didn't have to explain sure. anything. Yeah. So it did provide a strong sense of belonging for me. And therefore, I... I would love for my children to have that sense of belonging and I'm I don't mind if my if my um children grew up in a world of faith and continued that faith and believed in that faith well, that, because it is right. so personal. Well that that right there was the kind of the reason why it was cool because you have this uh you give religion its due respect right with it being not a very large part of your life but you know small examples of you know i remember growing up that when my parents moved into a new house my dad would give the azan which is the call to prayer um for those uh that are not familiar but my dad would give the azan in every corner of the house and that's a tradition that i've carried forward in all the places that we've lived in and it's endearing, um, mm-hmm. and you appreciated it because you say you appreciate it, but also I can see that you appreciate those types of things. And you know, I pray. I you know, I get up at the really early on a regular basis, but you can hear me praying right. in the mornings, right? And I love that. And I also remember in other households, like at the end of the day, even though I think my parents knew that I did not have any kind of connection to the religion, they always demanded the respect for it. Yeah. And so just little instances like I remember even going and I remember going to other people's households and when it was time to pray, um, no matter what time of the day it was, you know, just naturally in people's homes, the TV's going on, people are talking, whatever, people are on the phone, whatever it is, living their life in their own home. But there was no sense of stop or calm in the house when someone would pray meaning even in my household and even now today in our household when you do pray i turn off the tv i make sure that i'm not on the phone um you know very much in the morning when you're praying i'm actually in my bathroom getting ready for work and i always have some form of youtube or a podcast or something going on and yeah. as soon as i hear you start praying i turn whatever um audio i have on off i, I turn whatever i have going on off because yeah. that's just my of, way of respecting you first and foremost and respecting you your religion the faith all of that and i and i i'm happy that even though my parents didn't demand sure. religion be on my tongue every day they definitely demanded that i had the respect for the religion yeah and i think that's kind of where that due respect and that mutual understanding is awesome because for me it's not a deal breaker but it certainly is something in my life that is very important like when i have my worst days um, I seek refuge in my faith. I really do, right? And so that is through prayer. And yeah. it's interesting because there's a lot of people that don't know that about me and that have these perceptions about me of being of a different ilk um, or being cut from a different cloth mm-hmm. outside of that Chicago cloth because I'm more progressive in the way that I present myself. Oof, that Chicago but, club, let me tell you, I have so many things. <laughs> but the reality is, is that I'm really rooted in those really same principles in a lot of different ways. And it's important to me that if you're going to be in my life and that you 
give that due respect and you did that tenfold. Like I don't eat non-Zabiha meat um, mm-hmm. or non-halal meat rather. Right. Uh, halal is, means permissible. Uh, haram means not permissible. But mm-hmm. I don't meet when I'm outside eating at restaurants. I don't eat non-Zabiha meat. And then when it comes to alcohol, I don't consume alcohol. These right. are just non-starters. I have many, many people in my circle, in my closest circle, who are Muslims, who identify as Muslims, but they eat uh, non-Zabiha meat and they drink alcohol. That's okay, too. That has nothing to do with right. me. So, yeah, that's right. kind of like where I fall. Your religion is so personal and it's so whoever you are. That's and, right. And two things, yeah, like you said, you know, if you're having a bad day, you really come home to ground yourself in faith. And those are that's one thing I've always noticed about you is that if, if you get busy and life happens and you're not praying as steadily as you usually would like to be, I can see the shift yeah. in your just mental, everyday way about yourself. You seem more scattered. Um, you might seem a little, you know, just discombobulated. So I definitely do notice that. But... Also with me, I remember on our like first official date, one of the things that actually made me instantly fall in love with you, even though I don't pray and I'm not religious, the thing that made me instantly fall in love with you is I had flown to Chicago and I and because we were already so familiar with each other, I didn't mind you coming up into my hotel room while I was finishing getting ready and also I knew that you had to pray and and you did, you, you know, you took the time to pray before we went out to dinner and it was just, Hit her with their faith. <laughs> it was just such a moment that I was like, I was so in love with the fact that you were just you. It didn't matter that I wasn't that way. It wasn't like you were trying to press it on me or anything. It was just the fact that you were like, oh, it's six o'clock. I have to pray. And you did. Yeah. And then we just got up and left and went to dinner and it was wonderful. Right. So I I really loved that. But how have people in your circle changed since you married me? So for instance, my people, if you will, my parents even, my friends, they just, they all know that I'm not religious. And it's not something that I have a sign on my head that says I don't believe. <laughs> it's just... They'll never hear me talk about it unless it is a distinct religious or political discussion. Right. You're not going to really – it just means – it just doesn't have a strong place in my life. And sure. so everyone knows I'm not religious. And when I met you and started dating you and then all of a sudden I was going to marry you, I think a lot of people in my corner – um, they were almost afraid of, one, how – does he know that you are not like him? And – are you okay yes, with that? Yes, if you know my wife. And are you okay with that? And then three, like, are you going to change? Because that is the conception. That's generally how it works. But that is a major conception of our religion specifically. Sure. Is that the men are, if they are religious, then their religion dominates the household. So I think a lot of people were like, oh, wait, wait, what's the expectation? Are you sure. su- Are you supposed to just become super religious and start praying and all of those things. So anyway, how did people in your life react to marrying someone like me in terms of me 
you know, where I fell on the religious spectrum. Yeah, so I think, so a lot of different things. I think part of the revelation of those who are listening that know me are going to understand a little bit more about where I am on the religious spectrum, regardless of where they thought I was. Um, and definitely has had made an impact on end, my entire circle because by virtue of marrying you, I have now become less religious, right, in their minds. Right. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, your wife don't really, you know, mess with the religion that way. And, and, and so, yeah, but that doesn't, for me, that doesn't have any bearing on how religious I am, right? Mm-hmm. But people have definitely tried to... Um, try to sidestep, you know, and say some crazy things like up to including, you know, one of my closest family members who will out me uh, to my parents talking about some, oh, well, he went to uh, Mexico with her before they got married. Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we're not just gonna, we're not gonna sidestep this conversation. We're gonna bring it up. We're gonna talk about this because this was such a big deal to me for many reasons, but the reason I think it um, it kind of hit me in the face so hard was because this is someone of our generation, or at least my generation, yes. right? We're talking about your oldest brother, and he and I are similar in age. We're only like a year or two apart or yes. something like that, right? So this wasn't some uncle. Right. This wasn't some random, you know, person in the community that saw us at the airport. Yep. This was... Your brother, who, like I said, is within a year or two of my age, and I just couldn't believe that it was coming from someone who I thought maybe I was naive. But and, I think I was naive too. I was shell shocked. Yeah, naive in thinking that it would right, have come from him. I didn't think, frankly, that you know I would have somebody close in my family who would out me to my parents. Mind you, I mean, if you listen to episode one, you knew that there was some you know turbulence in, in the air <laughs> um, from Jump Street. But I think. But of, let's just sorry, real quick, just so you know what we're talking about. Um, Osama and I started dating let's call it end of october that january so actually that's that december is when my parents found out about osama and when osama's parents found out about me and on my side it was fine on osama's side of the family it was not fine they were doing everything not fine (laughs) they were doing everything they could to make sure that he and i were not going to get married however it was in some in some way it was actually progressing um our families sometimes you just gotta fight through the pain yeah you gotta listen if you want it you gotta fight for it but he and i so our parents knew of each other our parents had talked to each other yeah um it was essentially right before our engagement and every you know in in the desi pakistani community indian community your engagement is not some oh my god he popped the question and it came out of left field no like, bro, it you is just planned. go to the parents house you'd be like hey i'm it gonna marry your daughter front of the parents you know it's gonna happen you've your parents your parents have actually said yes to each other before you show up yes which is a whole nother thing we need to dissect on a later episode yes but how to get married to a daisy girl <laughs> uh but so that was december and your parents were not liking the fact that we were getting married, but I think it was basically at a point where they knew they couldn't really help the situation. So anyway, that was December, January, early January, before we actually get engaged, I 
um, turned 30. And for my 30th birthday, I was going to go to Mexico because I'm from Minnesota and he's from Chicago and it's freezing. And I wanted to go to Mexico. So anyway, um, I flew down to Chicago. We ended up heading to Mexico and I think everything is great. And then we come home and then, you know, I go to my respective home in Minnesota. He goes to Chicago. And then my world obliterates. And then I realized, I think it was like the day I'm not really sure about the timing, but the gist of the story is that my brother tells my mother uh, he went to um, Mexico with some girl, blah, blah, blah. And, um, of course, I lied to my parents and said I went with a friend. And I maintained my innocence until until now. Until now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's why we're putting some ghee on it. But, yeah, I mean, so just the, the reality is, is that to back to the question around, like, did people perceive you differently? Yes, because I had a brother that was, you know, somebody who I thought would never in a million years come for me came for me in right. a way that was – if you are in the culture and you understand the implications of this, it doesn't actually reflect any poorly on me. It just basically says that, hey, whoever this other person is, is a bad influence. Here's the, Here are the reasons why. And because of that, in whatever form of religious piety that my brother was feeling that day, he was just like, she's not good for him because he's going to be astray uh, from the religion. Right. Irrespective of not knowing how much I had strayed already well, with or without even... somebody, it, if that was even the context that we we're going to have that conversation in. Sure. But like, why not? First of all, why not have that conversation with you? Like, well, why Why go to mommy? Well, I don't understand. <laughs> well, there are things that, you know, I'm, I'm... He's a married man, but he went to mommy to go tell on his but little that's, brother. I'm not really sure about that. And I'm not going to dissect that, right? I mean... Here's the thing. Me and my brother had a conversation about it. I just like, dude, that's not really cool. But let's get to the like the crux of the matter is, is that that is something that occurs with my my closest. That's like my flesh and blood, right? But it, so, it is your flesh, and right? Blood. That is right. But right. like, but the, on a broader scale, in terms of what happened in my community of people that were around me, there were a lot of people seeing me look at life different, uh, actually live life in a very different way than I was normally living. And the only thing that changed with when you came around mm-hmm. is that I started being me more transparently to people. Right. right. Now, you I did. did not necessarily change who I was. You didn't become more or less religious. No, or... it actually had nothing to do with religion. I just became less concerned about the opinions of others. And therefore, yeah, I went to Mexico. Right. Yeah, I did. But, you know... The reason I want to discuss Mexico and that whole situation is because um, your the way I perceive the entire situation is that your brother thought he was holier than thou and he thought his viewpoint on it was large enough to ruin something for his adult brother who was trying to get married to this woman. Because it's not, even though in that moment I don't believe he and I had met, it wasn't about a random chick, even though it still would have been wrong. He very specifically knew that, of course, I was the girl you went to Mexico with. Right. So... In that behavior, though. That behavior. Right. and And him thinking... On the baseline of religion. And him thinking that he's being a good person is in fact the 
really opposite of what he was doing because what he did to me as a woman is that he made me feel less than he made me feel that i was of no value he deduced me quite frankly he deduced me to being a whore in front of your mother. Oh, without a doubt. That is all your mother could oh, think about. Without, first of all, there was venom in the water. Right? Oh, still. To, be, to jump, right, uh, from Jump Street. But then, yeah, to perpetuate that. And under the guise and cloak of religion, and it's not that. The religion is not that. Right. That the is, religion is, in fact, to protect women. Right. And, in fact, to but, per- protect um their uh i don't know how to say it their outward what people think of them right, right. their their dignity it their is dignity. to protect their dignity so for him to do that in such a public way because quite frankly it is pu- public i know that that conversation was not held and kept within the four walls of your house no so now you have tried to like I said, deduce who I am just into this, that chick he went to Mexico with. Right. Excuse me. He married that chick. Thank you very yes, much. Yes. Yes. If we can add a, a, a round of applause, people, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the reality is, is that I think there is a lot of that, right? In terms of how people are and how they behave in the name. And it's not just specific to our story or religion. our religion. I think it happens across the world in a, not, a number of different ways. But the reality is, is that there's that instance. And then there's this instance where, so so that's, the, to, to get back to it, my, pe- my people, my circle, mm-hmm. they definitely started to treat me differently mm-hmm. um, in a lot of different ways. My brother's probably the most extreme example, but um, I say this often, I'll continue to say because it's more re- very relevant in our culture. It's death by a thousand cuts, man. Always. You know, and like everybody has something to say in a very like left field, left of center way. And maybe I'm too sensitive or maybe I just have a little bit of a functioning brain where I understand <laughs> how people are saying. I may not react to the way that people are saying things, but it's re- the reality is, is that if you're going to base your conversation from religion, from a religious perspective, you lost me. I can't even have the conversation. Right. Because unless we can talk about being real and being 100 with one another, because at the end of the day, I think religion has a place in everybody's life Mm -hmm. or faith. Faith has a place in everybody's life, right? Small, large, big, small, whatever, right? But I think when you start to say, well, I'm going to tell you this because Islamically you need to do X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. uh, you are not Islam, bro. Right. And other things, like another point of contention in our relationship, you know, getting married and all of that is my age. I am six and a half years older than yes. you. They made a big deal about my age. And these are people who are so holy. And I just looked at them and I was like, but the prophet, peace be upon him, his wife was older. Yeah. Like, but it's how? But that's the thing, right? What? It's like, not rooted in... It's not... That's the thing. And that's... the. I don't even try to even go to those type of examples because I'm not – my baseline for wanting to marry somebody is not actually because I'm trying to follow the example of of really anybody but the fact that I loved you, right? And I love you and I wanted to marry you. So that was the baseline. So if you want to talk about religion and you want to give all the reasons why I shouldn't, I'm not even going to entertain that conversation because I think it's so infuriating because under whose under guise. <laughs> guise or under what authority – do you believe you can speak on it, particularly because relationships as a whole take so much work to even have 
and to to let happen right that i think it just you know comes down to not speaking out of turn number one and number two don't use religion as a baseline to prove your point because that'll well, fall apart i mean everybody can say anything under the shroud of religion right so i feel like that's where it comes from is this thought process of being able to say whatever you want and then saying oh but I'm saying it because of X, Y, Z religious reason, right? So it doesn't matter. So anyway. But how did your people? How did your people react in terms of, you know, when they met me and they they saw me and 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 how I was? How how was so your... in terms of my family and my my parents specifically, um, they were a little bit afraid, not afraid for you or afraid for me. They were just like, oh, okay, is this gonna work like how is this going to work does he know that you don't pray that you're not religious that you don't fast like does he know these things i'm like yeah of course he knows these things i'm not going to not tell him these things or act like i do something that i don't right and i think so yes they were kind of afraid in that moment for the the likelihood of our relationship lasting i guess but also, there was a major twinkle in my mother's eye. Oh, God, have mercy. Because she just, I think she was like, oh, my God, this is the ticket. You know, because the Islamic guilt, if you will, that is put on my head every day is <laughs> that because I don't pray or fast or I'm not holy enough, which, mind you, even though my parents were quite liberal and relaxed all through my childhood and 20s, you know, there are things... They're highly conservative. There, I mean, just There are to be things, clear. you know, life happens, and a lot of people say this, life happens, and I think, you know, mortality hits you, and you become more religious or more strict. And so I think when my mom found out, you know, who you were exactly and Yeah, all let's talk things, about this part. She had this twinkle in her eye where she was like, finally, someone's gonna, you know get me out of jail basically because the guilt is such that because your children aren't of religious value um, that somehow my mom or my parents are going to go to hell because of it. And so Osama was this gift to her. Well, let me, let's talk (laughs) about that because it's interesting. I love my, I love my in-laws. They're just wonderful people and they've only treated me with like love and kindness and respect. I've never seen a red carpet rolled out yeah but with those red carpets come a few stipulations number one um hey osama you should really try to get subi to pray more you failed it's not even a failure well you tried how am i supposed to succeed at this mission that you if if you choose to accept it i don't i actually am not going to accept it frankly because if as a parent if your goal was to instill religion in your child well that was not successful allow me to check that box now, what you were successful at is making sure that your child, Subi in this case, um, understood, respect, and, and maintains morals and values that uphold within the religious spectrum. But there was your mother, and then there was also Faraz Pai, Faraz, Imam Faraz, who married us. Yeah, he married us. He's from... Um... Minneapolis. Just just <laughs> wonderful, wonderful soul. And I remember um, right before we got married, he kind of pulled me aside, and he's like, hey, you are now... Um, you know, it's going to be your responsibility. You're you're kind of the beacon of the religion in this family, and you got to have to kind of move the move the message forward. Wait, so how did you take that? Like, was that an honor for you, or you, or was it something that kind of scared you? Like, oh wow, I have to have this burden, or was it 
something that was like a red flag? Like, hey, are you guys, is there something you guys aren't telling me? Well, no. I mean, because you and I were, were, we were good, good. Right. Yeah, but I'm true. like, bro, like, I'm, you don't need to pull me aside to know where my wife or the family is on the religious spectrum, number one. Number two, it was, um, I took it in good um, I took it in a good way. I mean, I, I was like, I understand he's doing his job. He is an imam. Um, he's a leader in the religious community. And that's part of his job is to say that. And so, but the reality is for me is in terms of like the, the reality is that in the Muslim faith, the men um, are typically the shepherds and the stewards of the religion, right? So you keep, you, it is kind of the role of the male to continue, as you said earlier in our conversation, that in a household, typically the male's religion will dominate. Um, but I don't take it that way, right? I'm going to be religious in my own way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to practice my faith. If you want to get down with it, that's cool, right? But I think we share, one of the cool things that we share is a mutual respect for the religion. Right. And we're walking to the Barclays Center like last week, and we're walking in the middle of New York City, Brooklyn, and it was time for Maghrib, and it was sunset, and we hear the azan, the call to prayer, blaring in the streets of Brooklyn. It and was beautiful. It was beautiful because there was like this calm in the streets. The same type of calm that I felt in Cairo, Egypt, when the azan was playing. And right. and it was, you know, I think it could be it, it could be a lot of things for a lot of different people. But for me, to your point of the religion for me or the faith that I grew up with. It's that comfort zone. Mm -hmm. It's where I don't have to explain myself. In right. fact, I went to Cairo, Egypt. The Azan went on, and I just walked into the masjid. I'm a, I'm a tourist, right? This is a big masjid, and usually they got everything on lockdown. But as a Muslim, I was there to pray, and there was no barrier for me to enter, and right. there was no barrier for me to and exist. Was, yeah. And that, to me, is, you know, that to me, for me, that's the practice, Mm -hmm. That's the me where I'm not about to be on some hot holier than thou platform and to say, hey, you are not this or that because that doesn't uh, align with the religion. For me, it's just internal. And that's where I find the comfort. Yeah. And, you know, let's talk about like the vanity of religion and people. Ugh. You were saying, you know, um, practice more than you preach. Yes. I know that there was a major instance when... I think it was last Eid. It may have been the Eid before. No, it was last Eid, yeah. Yeah. And it was um you know the so on Eid prayer you have you you pray and then there's a qutbah, which is the sermon afterwards. And there was an imam who was I mean the, his sermon that dude can, you know, sell the shirt off your back cuz he was that good. I mean, mm -hmm. he really ignited at least in me, this feeling of like, wow. And he was talking about real things. I appreciate yeah. people who get up in front of a religious community community and talk about the real things affecting that community. And he was actually talking about very separate instances about the local issues of the community in New York City. And I was so taken aback by him. I was like, man, I got to go shake this dude's hand. Yeah. I got to walk up he to him. He was really, he was so good that I walked up with you. Yeah. And I was like, I got to meet this guy. And I get to him. And I get hit with a ton of bricks in terms of ice cold. And maybe, you know, maybe he performs very well and he's he's more uh, socially awkward. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to take of it, but it broke my heart. Yeah, you were so let down. Like I was so devastated because here's this energetic, um, charismatic um 
person who is preaching the faith in a way that's like real to the people in his uh, congregation. Congregation, and it was so heartbreaking in that moment. And and the vanity, and just to to talk about the vanity of being Muslim, I don't know if that really correlates with the vanity, but the vanity of being Muslim for me, what I've found is that it's more important than the actual practice, right? Like you, the vanity of it to show how how holier than thou you are. Like and it's disgusting. I mean, it like takes place on Instagram all the time. And I just don't, you know, like, I'm like, hey, bro, like, well, the, I see you in person every day. Well, that's the interesting part, right? And I have this conversation with some of the closest people who are conservative Muslims. I'll talk to them about, I'm like, dude, if you call me up because you find a safe space to have conversations about the girl that uh, hit on you at work, or that you were interested in while you're married. But I'm I'm the guy who you can call up and have conversations about religion in the same breath that you can have a conversation about uh, a girl that walked down the street who you were just taken aback by. Like it's no judgment. Right. It's no judgment. But that's that's the practice of it, right? Mm-hmm. That is the practice right. of it. Just be real. Be authentic to who you are and stop preaching because there's so much irony in the conversations whereby you'll be at a table, another example, you'll be at a table with everybody drinking alcohol and you condemn them because they're like, oh, no, we were drinking alcohol. But then what, you're looking at and titties on Instagram? How does that go? Right? So that's that's right. kind of the, the vanity of it. And then there's the other side where it's like, no, I'm going to be holier than thou. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to pray five times a day. I'm going to go to Hajj. I'm going to go to uh, do all these things from religious basis. But then you're, you're going to be a shit to everybody you know? Right. You're just a mean person. You're not kind. You never take into consideration, consideration. anything in anybody's life. Right. But you prayed five times a day. And right. I went to Hajj because there's, you know, there's that picture on Instagram with the Kaaba. I went to Hajj. And that's the thing. Well, like, see, the thing is, if you're going to be about that vanity, just don't forget that there's also just the point about being considerate as a human being. Right. And the baseline of faith, of faith. And the religion is to be good to one another. Right. And like how many That's people are doing that? that? Like is- if I – like our example is like, oh, I'm real conservative Muslim, but I treat you like shit and you're my wife. How does that go? Right. How many people are dealing with that exact issue right now? Right. And that's the thing. I mean, if there's anything you can take away from this conversation, what you can learn from this conversation and the key takeaways is number one, first and foremost, be honest with each other. Yes. Be confident in who you are. And with that confidence, be honest. And for us, for me, it was like, listen, I know exactly who I am. Yep. And I'm going to tell you exactly who I am. No doubt. And I expect you to, or I want you to love me for exactly who I am. Yep. But whether you do or not, I have to be honest. Yeah, and I had to be honest. I had to come into your hotel room at 6 o'clock. I had to pray. Right. I had to do that, it. Because that's you. That's, that's who I honest am. you. The, uh, the second thing is whatever that person is showing you, the honest self that they are showing you, Respect it. Yep. Respect it. Don't try to go up against them. Don't try to sway them. Don't try to waver them. Respect them for exactly who they are. And even if 
at six o'clock at Maghrib or at Fajr, you don't get up to pray, which is fine. There's no judgment in that. There shouldn't be any judgment in that. Right. But if your spouse does, respect it and yep. make it a safe space for them. Make it their place, you know. And that goes for everything, right? It's just we're talking about religion in our relationship, but that actually transcends religion. That transcends any relationship, not just because we're two people who are talking about the Islamic version of this. It extends beyond the two people in this room having this conversation. Right. Respect the people in your life who you hold most dear. Right. Because whether we like it or not, you know, there is there's a saying in the Desi world. It's you're not marrying him. You're marrying his family. <laughs> Let me tell you, that has created so more much harm baggage for me than you could ever imagine. You married your husband. At the end of the day, you married your wife. So you need to be strong within each other, honest with each other, respect each other. Right. Because it doesn't matter what your mother-in-law thinks. It doesn't matter how much your mother-in-law chirps in your ear about getting your wife to pray. That's right. It's, did you make it a respectful, safe household for her or for him? Because it's about you two. That's right. The third thing is expectation. You need to have zero expectation, right? You need to know that your partner, because they've been honest and because you are respecting them, yep. that the expectation is that for you guys to evolve together, whichever way that means. Maybe that does mean the other becomes more religious. Maybe it means the other person becomes less religious. Or maybe it just means that you are on a parallel path, but coexist coexist, and yep. have faith in your own heart. However that faith transcends, whatever that means, whether it's religious, spiritual, nothing, atheist, agnostic, it's just to know that your partner doesn't expect you to be anything other than your true self. And don't expect me to change or don't expect them to change. Don't marry this person and then suddenly think in three, four, five, six years, that they're going to become pious and they pray five times a day. And, you know, there's so many terrible, sad stories that I've been hearing all through my life, but especially as, as of, of late. late. Right. It's people telling me, you know, three, four, five years down the line, I didn't even recognize who I married. Wow. And like, what are you supposed to do at that point? Yeah. What do you do? So please, when it comes to, you know, your relationships and when it comes to whether it be religion or any of your other deal breakers or your must-haves within your relationship or marriage, just be honest. Yes. Respect each other. Yes. Hold zero expectation. And be honest about those expectations if you have them. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, number three, <laughs> C, number one, and two. Yeah, number four on the list is C, uh, all the above. Exactly. So anyway, Osama, thank you. It's a pleasure as always. Always. Sir. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I appreciate you all with your popular demand that you, you reached out to my wife, uh, supporting her. In supporting this journey, I think it's wonderful. Subi's doing more for the culture than most. Right up there with Riri. Listen, listen, we all have our journey. So 
Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the love and the feedback that we've been getting. It has meant the world to me. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow me at Subi Syed on Instagram. And also the show at Put Some Ghee on It, also on Instagram. And please follow my guest, Osama Syed. His handle is Suited Gentleman. Bow, 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 bow. Suited Gentleman on Instagram. Uh, thank you again so much. And until next time.